Hello, my name's Jonathan Kellum. I'm a visual artist based in Bristol. I'm standing outside the home of football, St Anne's Park. At 3pm today, Super Duper St Anne's FC looked to gain another promotion into the Inter-Britain Corporative Premier Division. 18 years ago, in April 2022, I undertook a Relay Project Space residency for Bricks at St Anne's House. The project? Super Duper St Anne's FC. Manchester United, 100 years, born out of workers around here. And they're breaking away into a league without competition that they can't be relegated from. It's an absolute disgrace. And honestly, we have to wrestle back the power in this country. A year before the Super Duper St Anne's FC project at Bricks, 12 of Europe's elite football clubs announced the formation of a new annual club football competition, the ESL, or European Super League. It received widespread criticism from all corners of the football world, uniting fans and demonstrating the power of the collective voice in important matters such as football director's corporate greed, Jack Grealish's shin pads and Ian Wright's glasses. This moment of people power was almost instantly forgotten. Little changed over the next decade with further attempts to remove competition and increase profits. In 2027, we had Scuffle, or the Scandinavian Club Unification Football Federation League, instigated by Swedish politician Graham Potter. And in 2030, of course, there was Galactic KO, the knockout tournament led by Inter Miami 2, after the original Miami was washed away by rising sea levels. But this tournament was ring-fenced for trillion-dollar clubs only. Each of these examples only served as a reminder of the increasing distance between fans and football club leadership. At the same time, grassroots football, especially the 11-a-side format, was becoming increasingly unsustainable due to poor quality local provision, a lack of qualified referees, and the lure of the free, private view drinks at Bristol's various artist-led project spaces. In 2021, St Anne's, an inner-city parish of approximately 8,000 residents, had no amateur, let alone professional football team. Due to ongoing redevelopment and its naturally hilly landscape, the only 11-a-side pitch was the sloping and unloved St Anne's Park. Here are some field recordings of me reflecting on the declining state of the pitch as it was way back in 2021. These recordings were used as part of the original residency on the now hallowed turf. Um, it's March the 28th, 2022, and I'm just walking back from being at St Anne's Park. Um, and I just realised really that um, in these field recordings or whatever um, they are, um, I've only ever seen two people having a kip out on this pitch. Um, and I think that kind of says a lot. Um, I'm just walking round the side of um, the changing rooms at St Anne's Park. It's February the 25th, 2022. It's 4.37pm. Um, and the changing rooms are kind of pretty grim. Someone has semi-successfully attempted, I think, to um, set fire to the St Anne's, Friends of St Anne's Park water butt. Um, the pitch looks actually quite majestic uh, by comparison against the setting sun. Um, the changing room is a real stumbling block to um, getting a team on this pitch.
Um, it's December. I'm just walking across um, St Anne's Park now. Um, it's the 13th of December 2021. Just walking across St Anne's Park. It's 9.23. Um, the pitch is looking pretty bad at the moment. Um, I think a car or maybe a moped's come across it um, in the last few days and they've been doing some donuts in the middle around the centre circle, which would probably be a bit of an issue with kickoff. Um, January the 7th, 2022, it's 12.45 um, um, noon. Um, I've just noticed really that the pitch doesn't have any markings on it for uh, quite a long time. Um, and there's really only the one kind of solid goal post that indicates the edge of the pitch. Um, the other goal post is totally bent out of shape and kind of on the verge of collapse, actually. Um, so the, and the, really the only other indicators of the pitch diameters are the row of young trees that have been planted and kind of the well-defined dog walking route that's uh, near the railway line side of the pitch. Prior to the start of the project at Briggs, I attempted, or at least began to attempt, to map together a history of the local football scene at St Anne's as a way to understand the lack of football in this area of the city. I talked to three individuals with great knowledge about the Bristol amateur football scene to try and understand the following questions. What teams had there been in St Anne's? And why did they fold? And was this void part of a bigger decline in grassroots football? In a busy calf on Sandy Park Road, I spoke to Chris Looker, Gloucestershire Football Association's football service manager and resident of Brislington, which borders St Anne's. So Team Alveston Rangers folded in 19... I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think, 2004, sorry. <laughs> and what was the reason for the ba- Basically, that we'd all, all grown up, we all had families or work commitments and playing on a Saturday afternoon, and this is probably re- reflects why there isn't a club in St Anne's at the moment, yeah. is that you can't dedicate that time. I think that's something. No, you know, when you've got a mortgage to pay, families to feed, you know, the money in the bank is the priority. Um, and if you, if you are working Saturday mornings and Sundays, then you no, know, giving up time to play football on a Saturday afternoon isn't isn't the priority. But that's reflected across most of the, most of the adult men's sport, you know, in the city and in, in the county at the moment. It's kind of like that stable level where it's not necessarily growing, but it's just carrying on. I asked Chris about the regulations surrounding local football and how they can be a barrier to some smaller clubs. Criteria is a well a unique use on a Saturday afternoon, so only one team can play at that venue at a time. It has to have certain uh, you know change room facilities, separate away team, home team, uh, referee match officials, change rooms. Um, some have to provide refreshments before, during, after the game for for teams as well. Um, It's an enclosed pitch, so it has to have a barrier around it as well. So some of the teams get to that high level and they can't go any further. So they 
stagnate yeah. some just dissolve yeah. and, I, and then reform at the bottom of the pyramid and start again and work their way up the city council concentrated their finances on pictures you know, yeah. the parks where there are a large number of pictures so you know, when they have to send somebody out to set up goal nets etc that person is, is there looking after three pictures in one place rather than Trump, no, three different people are having to look after three separate pictures yeah. in early 2022 I spoke to the holder of one of the biggest non-league football archives and former Imperial United Secretary Richard Lawrence, whom had also been Vice Chairman of the Gloucestershire FA Youth Committee and Youth FA. More than 60% of football played in Gloucestershire, and I think Bristol is the primary area of Gloucestershire, it's nearly all within the area of the Gloucestershire Football Association, 60% is youth football. In other words, it's from the age of seven up to the age of 18. Adult football is slowly contracting because there are so many other things in life now which people do. Um, And, uh, yeah, Uh, I'd love to know how you can increase adult football by all the youth players that are playing coming on and playing in adult football. It's a very difficult thing. I don't think anybody's really cracked it. Yeah, that's interesting. So, the, you know, youth is expanding and then at some at some point, you know, when they're eight, under 18s or, you know, at, at around that kind of age, then they just decide not to continue on. Richard told me about how some clubs are coming up with creative ideas to overcome some of the issues facing them. People like Lawrence Rovers, what they've done is they've got on their ground various port cabins or uh, these ship's containers and they've converted them into changing rooms, showers. There are minimum sizes for showers and changing rooms now. They've also converted two into bars, which brings money into the club. So they've got about four or five of these containers, porter cabins together. That's important. You've got to have the posts, the crossbars. You've got to have nets now. Now, when I started refereeing, I started on the downs. And even as recently as go as the early 1980s, well into my refereeing career, there weren't nets on most of the pitches on the downs. They came in probably 83 or 84 and were forced upon the council or the merchant venturers rather uh, who owned the downs. Richard highlighted the importance of good admin staff for a club as it gets more successful. Uh, You need to have a good manager or a good club chairman. You need a good club treasurer. You need a good club secretary. You need a a working committee of about six people who are prepared to put the hours in every week. Mm. You know, you, you need not just a club manager, you need an assistant manager because there'll be times when the club manager can't make it. Finally, I discussed the football scene across BS4 with Martin Gill, 
former club secretary of Roman Glass St George's FC, Bristol's oldest football team, about the sustainable club practice and his playing days as a right-footed left-back. Langton Court Rangers played there. That's, you know, I, I, I played, only, I played, uh, may have played out there once or twice, but I went out there as a secretary uh, on a number of occasions. Like, you know, when we were in a Premier combination, we used to play Ainsworth in, and we played them in the Bristol District League as well. Likewise with Langton Court, because he used to have two pitches out there. We went on a decline and we went, uh, we, we come to a point uh, where I told Roger that this is, I got my life to get on with, and he was the chairman. Like no, no, he was still refereeing, and and I, I said, uh, I said I got my life to you know, work, work, work as well, mm. and I said, um, I, I said I can't be fussed with all this hassle, and I think you know it's the best best thing for me. You know, is at the end of the season if. The up. It's a familiar story for 11-a-side clubs, where a lack of funds and a reliance on dedicated volunteers giving up their free time has caused clubs across the St Anne's football scene to dissolve. Unless he, he injects some money into a, a fund and says that's their primarily for football, they'll be gone. They'll be gone. It's like other clubs as well, like uh, big clubs. Uh, same thing happens, like, you know, it, uh, um, a lot of clubs that have been there, you know, like St. Phyllis Marks the Dawn School, they're yeah. gone. Yeah. Eden Grove All Boys are gone. St. Silas, they're gone. Like, you know, it's all about Bristol Premier accommodation teams, you know, uh, 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 high Bristol standards, and then they're gone. You know, finished. So Pancras, they, they was formed back, back in the early, early 20s, like, you know, gone. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, once, once the figureheads go, like, you know, the, the people that have brought a cut or kept the club to that standard, like, you know, and, and uh, being efficient, then all of a sudden you get people in, like, it's like cross-court. I don't know if you're aware of that cross-court. Do you know the name cross-court United? Um, no, I don't, actually. Tell me. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah they, they've been, it is in Bristol Premier, Bristol District, but their, sec their secretary, I'm going back about 10 years ago, they, they, they celebrated 50 years, and I went to their evening, I know, and yeah. he'd been a secretary 50 years as well. And now, out of email, last Saturday, they fought it. Gosh. Uh, yeah, mm. just gone, yeah. Listening back to these recordings from 18 years ago, it's a world apart from the structures of current football organisations, which are built upon self-sustainable models, cooperative frameworks and fan ownership as a community asset. No more does this feel true here as I stand outside the Friends of St Anne's Park stand and social enterprise space, with a super duper ultra crowd from 8 to 80 years old as we await the final match of the season and possible promotion to the Inter-Britain Cooperative Premier Division. I've been speaking to a number of past and present individuals involved in the rise of St Anne's. Last week I caught up with Alfie Bradford Briggs of St Anne's Boardmill Architects Limited, the original architect behind both the first redesign of the changing rooms and the subsequent carbon neutral St Anne's Park ground next to me here. Well, I remember being really excited and also, I guess, a bit perplexed by the original project when approached by Jonathan and the friends of St Anne's Park back in the early 20s, I think it was. 
starting from the original changing rooms. Oh, bleak and actually already condemned by the council. The remit was always to think about the redesign as much about its holistic role in the community as it was about football. It needed to efficiently and sustainably function as a community hub, allotment store, sheltered seating space, and finally, as a football changing room. And then the remit was always about applying this to a youth and veterans first. As that space, which is still going strong, flourished really, we were delighted to again be involved with the development of the ground, taking on those ethos and working in collaboration with Super Duper to construct a modest carbon negative ground as the football club evolved. It's been an amazing project, challenging within the geography of the park, but great to be part of designing the home of football. This morning I hologrammed Super Duper, Ultra and friend of St Anne's Park allotment holder Andreas Attio. I asked them about their experience of growing up with St Anne's Football Club. Super Duper! Well, I've been involved in some way with the club since I were eight, maybe, you know, like playing for the various youth sides, helping out with the allotment, obviously, organising events. I remember the Inter Ardman Youth Championship party in 28. Where is it to? Oh, at the park. Where's Gertlush? Even a few gas heads came down. Super Duper is a collective effort. If other things get in the way, you know that the collective will be fine. Actually, the first 11 is only a small part of the Supers picture, really. And we're still best team in Brizzle. I'm now playing in the St Anne's FC working football team. Fancy a game, mate? <laughs> Obviously, it's been a busy time for St Anne's FC, as the plausibility of another promotion push materialised. But generously, our most capped and cultured left-back, player, manager, gaffer, Ugo Barry found time to discuss a few things about the super duper culture at St Anne's FC. Having come up as a manager through the mixed youth setup, under 13s all the way up to under 22s, working at the community cafe, physio with only a magic sponge, ball boy, whatever, week in, week out, over the last two decades, you get to know every inch of this special club. If I wasn't in this privileged position, I'd be on the stands watching Super Duper next week. It's a funny old game, isn't it? As we edge closer to kickoff, I've told the players to enjoy the experience, give 110% and leave it on the pitch. They know that the Super Duper will be their 12th player out there. And that collective spirit is absolutely embodied by the club's ethos and belief in the team. We have come such a long way. Hopefully St Anne's Football Club and the home of football, St Anne's Park, is here for the community to enjoy for another 18 years. It's now 15 minutes before kickoff here at St Anne's Park. Time for me to head on to the terrace. 